You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Sometimes you have a disagreement, an argument with somebody, and you can find out exactly who was right and who was wrong. Sometimes you never do find out. Maybe you just think you were right and that person always thinks they were right. And then what I've learned in 30 years of marriage is sometimes you can be right, but it doesn't matter. I haven't learned it real well, but conceptually I understand that. And it's that idea that I want us to talk about this morning, that you can be right about an issue, but not be right in the way that you handle it. I think that's what Paul, I know that that's what Paul is writing about here in Romans chapter 14 this morning. If you remember last week, we looked at verses 1 through 12 of Romans 14. And Paul talks about the weak and the strong. And he talks about their relationship with one another. And we talked last week that the weak is not necessarily just an inferior Christian. But a a weak person is somebody who does not have the faith to be involved in certain activities. Where somebody who is strong can maybe be involved in those activities, stronger in their faith. But Paul said that we need to, we need to make allowances for each other. And that we, we talked about last week the fact that we are accountable to God. It's not our job to judge somebody else's servants. We are God's servants. People, we're not servants of one another. And Paul's going to continue with this theme this morning in verse number 12, and I'm not sure I put that on the screen, but we looked at it last week. It said, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Each of us is responsible to God for us. And then our text this morning, beginning in verse number 13, it says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in a brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. The first thing that I see here is that God is serious about our relationship with one another. He says in verse number 13, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We have got to be careful not to do something and not to, not to live our life in a way that is going to cause other people to stumble or fall. Now, I grew up um, I'm the, I've, I've referenced this a bunch of times. I'm the oldest of three boys. And my house was just kind of like, I, 
my mom's here this morning, and, and I've said this before, but I used to go to other people's house, and they would have like the doilies, like I learned what that was, you know, and like little knickknacks on the doilies, on the end tables, and I was always like, how come we don't have things like that in our house? And my mom's like, because you guys would break them. And she was right. You know, sometimes my mom would say things like, does this look like a gymnasium? And I'm like, no, but if we got a basket at the other end too, it could be. I, I feel like the vaulted ceiling's working, right? Like my house was just, and it wasn't just me and my brothers, but we always had friends over. And so I was thinking about this word, a stumbling block or tripping. Tripping wasn't something, that was something that happened all the time, right? Like you remember when you're in middle school and you're walking behind somebody and you just kind of reach and kick their leg and then they fall and you're like, you fell over your own feet. And you helped them, but that wasn't the point. And it, it I know it's probably dangerous in middle school too, but it, it is funny. But it's not funny in our relationship with other Christians. Matter of fact, Jesus talked about this in Mark chapter 9, such an interesting passage of scripture. Now John answered him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. Keep that verse up there for a second. What did John say? John said, we saw somebody, and they were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. But we told them, you shouldn't do that. Why? Because they didn't follow Jesus? That's not what John said. He Twice he says it. We saw someone who does not follow us. Because he does not follow us. This guy wasn't doing it like we did it. Like, there's a hierarchy here, right? There's Jesus and then you have the really close disciples, Peter, James, and John. John was one of those guys. And then later, John would refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, Jesus and John did have a special relationship, but that's, that's right there, amen? But he wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't even a guy maybe that was always around the twelve. He was just another guy who apparently believed in the power of Jesus so much that he was casting out a demon in his name. And John said, so we told him, you can't do that because you're not with us. You're not in the program we're in. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And then listen to what Jesus says in verse number 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now prior to this, Jesus had used a child as an example of childlike faith that believers needed to have. And Jesus does say, 
little one here. And so most people in verse 42 look back to that example. But Jesus is also speaking in the context of these other believers who are doing works in the name of Jesus. And he said, if you cause them a stumbling block as well, you could take a millstone. That was a, a giant stone, kind of looked like a donut that would be used for grinding grain. He said, you tie a rope around that, tie a, that same, uh, the other end of that rope around your neck and throw that rope into the sea. That would be better than causing a stumbling block to somebody else in the name of Jesus. That's pretty significant. Because I don't know about you, but the millstone around the neck into the sea, that's not a good place to be. Jesus is serious. God is serious about our relationship with one another. I would tell you that scripture indicates that God is a lot more serious about our relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ than most of the time the way we take it. Well, did you see what that person did? Well, I would forgive them, but they, whatever. God said, you're better off drowning in the sea than causing somebody else to stumble. He goes on in verses 14 and 15 and says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Paul sets the record straight on this. Remember, if you weren't here last week, in Romans 14, two of the big issues were what, what people ate and what days they observed. So there was strict dietary laws in the Jewish law. And then there were, there were Jews who now believed on Jesus, but they still kept those laws. They still didn't eat uh, shellfish. They wouldn't eat pork, they wouldn't eat other things, the, the only things that were kosher. And here are Gentile Christians who also believe on Jesus, but they're having BLTs. And this was a conflict. Now Paul, who is a Jew, raised a Pharisee. He says, listen, nothing is unclean. You don't have to follow these dietary laws. If you want to know who's right and who's wrong, the people that said we could eat whatever are right. But that's not the point. The point isn't, and Paul doesn't then say, so do whatever you want, judge one another, you're right, they're wrong, you win, you lose, you get to feel superior. That's not what he says. He's going to spend the rest of this chapter saying how you guys, how you who are strong, how you who are in the right conduct yourself is of utmost importance. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't cause your brother to fall. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 10 says this, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He sets the record straight. He says nothing is unclean for itself, but he says in verse 15 of Romans 14, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, 
You are no longer walking in love. You aren't doing it right. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because it's okay for you doesn't mean you can run off and do it. You may cause another to stumble. And he says, do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. And that's why he would say, don't let your good be, well, be evil spoken of. We have to consider in what we do, the impact that it has on other people. That can be difficult, can't it? I mean, we don't, we, we want to think that we can just do whatever is okay between us and God. After all, other people shouldn't judge us, right? Well, Paul said, don't judge others, but then he said, but you've got to consider others in the way that you live. Now, I recognize that there is, there is an element to you can't please all of the people ever, right? I understand that. But you do need to consider what you say and what you do, and especially those close to you, those in your family, in your church, your coworkers, those who, who you interact with on a, on a personal basis. Listen, I understand that you, know, you can get on the internet and offend anybody just by doing anything. Amen? I mean, you can say, hey, I, you know, I saw someone that was hungry and I gave them food. And then they're like, well, did you give them the recommended daily allowance of whatever? Or were you, I mean, we can be critical of, of whatever. Like we live in that society. And I understand that, that we can't please everybody. But if we're not careful, because we live in that kind of a society and we can't please everybody, then we just sort of go to the opposite extreme and we say, well, you can't please everybody, so I'm just gonna do what I want, when I want, and if, it's somebody, if somebody's offended by that, that's their problem. But Paul and Jesus both said, no, that's your problem. Don't be a stumbling block to somebody else. Don't live in such a way that your actions are gonna have a negative impact on somebody else. Now, as a pastor, that seems pretty applicable, right? I mean, you would expect me as a pastor to live sort of a, a certain moral baseline, right? I mean, if, if I'm out, you know, if I, if I come in here on Sunday morning and I'm hungover and, and I've had a rough night of partying on Saturday night and, and I use language that's not appropriate and I just, you know, I mean, you're like, that's not the way a pastor ought to conduct himself, right? Amen? And hopefully that's not the case. But the same thing is true for all believers. The things that we say, the things that we do have an impact on others. And you might be here this morning, you might say, well, nobody looks up to me. 
I'm not a pastor or a leader, but listen, all of us have a sphere of influence and we need to be careful about how we use that. Even outside of brothers and sisters in Christ, there are people that are looking at us. You might be the only believer that somebody knows. You might be the only Christian example that somebody has. And what are you doing? In 1 Timothy chapter number three, and it's talking about pastors and leaders in the church, but it says this, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Man, I was thinking about this this week because I was, uh, it was my day off, right? So I wasn't working at the church and I was, uh, I was dropping off. I had some wild game that I needed to get processed. And so I was dropping it off at a, at a place to get it processed. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't wear a collar anyway, but I'm just in like jeans and a t-shirt and my pickup truck. I'm not in pastor mode. Know what I'm saying? So when I'm not in pastor mode, I just drive like the devil. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm there and I'm conducting business. And it was wild because I'm dealing with this guy and, and we're just having a conversation. And he, I needed to send him a document. And so he said, okay, text that to me. And I said, okay, what's your number? And I put it in my phone. And it came up, his name came up. And I said, do I, like, is this your name? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, have we met before? And he's like, you look familiar. Have you, like, have you been here to this place of business before? Have we conducted business in this way? And I was like, no. And I went back and I sent him the document and I got my truck and I went back and I went and looked and we, he, because I, I looked at what we had texted about. And we had interacted in a different company that he must work for, I guess. I need to talk to the guy now when I go back there about church business. And I thought, oh, do I conduct myself one place and have a reputation that if I see somebody in a completely different context, because I didn't remember this guy at all. And it did, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Sometimes your phone is too smart. You know what I'm saying? When I put that guy's number in and, and the name came up, I was like, Google? What are you doing? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Serious listening. But that happens all the time in our lives, Right? Like if at your work or someplace you socialize, you interacted with someone you know from church, would they recognize you in your conduct? Would that be the same? Or would you be a stumbling block? Because how we conduct ourselves, our relationship with others is important. 
Romans 14 goes on, verses 17 and 18 says this, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. The first thing I see in verse number 17 is this. There are some things that the, uh, that the kingdom of God is not. Really what Paul is saying here is whether you follow these dietary laws or you don't follow these dietary laws, whether you observe these certain days as being holy and set apart or you don't serve them as being holy and set apart is not what God's kingdom is about. It's not the most important thing. Now thank God in today's society, in our church, we wouldn't fight and argue about things that are not significant. Amen? I mean, we wouldn't argue about what time church started, what the temperature was in the auditorium, how the chairs were arranged, what music we were singing this week, what the volume level of that was, what the background slide looked like, what the preacher's wearing today. I mean, I, I could go on and on. We wouldn't argue about those things, amen? I mean, can we serve donuts? Should they be better, you know, should we have healthy options? How's the coffee? Are we allowed to bring it into the sanctuary? All of these things. We, people fight about that in church. Can you imagine? Is that the kingdom of God? Let me, let me, no. Just so you're, so I'm clear. It's not. I mean, can you, I mean, the preacher's using an iPad. What is that? That used to be a big deal. Now it's just not. Now, I, I used to use an iPad because I wanted to be cool. Now I just use it because otherwise I would have to wear glasses. But this way I can make the font real big and it's backlit. <laughs> now you know my secret. If I had to come over with the Bible, I'd be like, and then Paul said, We argue about all kinds of things that aren't important. He says, rather, it's righteousness. It's behavior that is pleasing to God. And it's peace. And that, that the context of that peace there is not our peace with God. It's our peace with one another. As a pastor, just as a person, we have conflicts with one another. I, I, I think I've told this story before, but when I was a youth pastor, I was at a camp and, and uh, I was leading a group of kids there and I got into a conflict with a guy and, and um, it was a classic example of I, I was right, but I did not handle it right. I didn't, I was a jerk and I kind of made a scene about it and I felt totally justified because I was right, but I was a jerk. And honestly, I didn't think that much about it until about nine months later. And I'm sitting in a conference and the guy who I had the conflict with walks in and sits on the other side of the room. And I just, oh man, the Holy Spirit just, just started working me. 
And I'm like, I gotta apologize to that guy. And, and at the first opportunity, I, I, I went and, and told him I was sorry that I was a jerk and, and I apologized and I wanted, because when I saw that guy, I just realized. I've been in those, I've been in the opposite of those situations. See someone you haven't seen for a long time and, and, and your eyes lock and, and you just know by the look on their face that they're like ashamed to see you. But even in that moment, what we shouldn't do is go, that's right. <laughs> that's, not, that's not righteousness and peace. That's not action that's pleasing to God. That's not promoting peace. Not sit back and go, I wonder if that person's gonna come apologize to me like they should. And will the apology be sincere enough for my approval? Thank God God isn't that way, amen? That when we turn and repent to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He doesn't say, eh, I think uh, I'll hold that. I think I'll hold that forgiveness for a little while longer till I'm really sure you're sorry. Or you're not quite sorry enough for my good. No, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. And then what does he say there? Joy in the Holy Spirit. I think there's a little bit of a formula there. You live your life in a way that's pleasing to God. You do everything you can to promote peace with other people. You're gonna have joy in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, I wanna look at the last few verses here of Romans chapter 14. It says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Man, I'll tell you, over this last year as we've gone through the book of Romans and even just in my own study of scripture, this is something that God has really just been laying on my heart more and more and more, is this idea of edification, edify. That's not a word that we use a whole lot, but it literally means to be built up. See, because I think being a follower of Jesus is difficult. It's tough in this world. And we need to be built up and we need to build one another up. And when we gather together and when we interact personally with other believers, it shouldn't be where we're torn down. It should be where we're edified, where we're built up. Last week after I got done preaching, I had several people who said, preacher, man, I really needed that message, but it hurt to hear. 
Like it hurt to hear you talk about our relationship with one another and how we need to be uh, considerate of one another and not judging of one another. And I have been that way. And I told, uh, I, I, I told those people what, I, what is true 99% of the time with my messages, which is if the Holy Spirit goes out and it convicts you of something, God's probably already worked me over about it that we can study. But even that is not just so we'll feel bad about how bad we are. It's for our edification. It's for our building up. Because God wants to remove the sinfulness and the judgmentalness that we have and build us up to be more in the image of Jesus. And so when we deal with one another, it needs to be for the purpose of edification, of building one another up. And he says here, uh, it, we'll look at this next week, but in Romans chapter 15, verses one and two, it says this, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. Listen, when we come together uh, for a worship service on Sunday, it's not just so that we can hear the band and be blessed by them. Now, hopefully you are blessed by them, but that's not the only or even the main reason we come together. First and foremost, we come together to worship God, but it's not so that the preacher can, you know, give you his opinion this week. Listen, we come together to worship God and to build up the body. And you realize that it might be today just a word of encouragement from you after the service ends that is the biggest thing that someone takes away from, from church today. Maybe today, as I'm preaching, as, as you're worshiping, God lays someone on your heart that's not here today that you say, I need to send them a text. I need to send them a card. I need to just do something to try to encourage them. Listen, don't let that go. God wants to use you for the building of his kingdom, for edifying one another. This is, this is part of what God's called us to do, is to build up and not destroy. He says there in verse number 20 and 21, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And he reiterates, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. It's interesting what Paul says here. He settles the issue. He's told us on more than one occasion in this passage, look, you can eat whatever you want. But the issue isn't, as we've talked about, who's right or wrong. And he doesn't then say to the weak, get over it. Like, just get over it and have some bacon. That's what I would say. I would say shrimp is delicious. And I, and I say that as a joke. 
But Paul never says to the weak, just get over it. Matter of fact, what he says is if you're convinced about something, don't do it. Because you shouldn't do something against your conscience because to you it's sin, even if it's not sin to somebody else. Matter of fact, what we're to do as the stronger is make sure we don't cause an offense. Make sure that we don't do something that would, that would cause somebody else to stumble. Don't destroy what God is building up so that you can do what you want to do. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 10, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And then Paul says this in verses 22 and 23. Do you have faith? Have it before God. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. This whole series of Romans, we've been talking about walking by faith. And sometimes walking by faith means helping others to walk by faith too. Even if they're not exactly where you're at. But helping to build them up in their faith. Not pushing them to do something against their conscience, but maybe that means not doing something that you feel like you can do because you don't want to offend a brother or sister. Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We spent about five chapters studying through the book of Romans on what it means to be justified. That God, and I, I can't even rehearse all of it, but that God takes his righteousness and he puts it on our account. That God, when he sees us, doesn't see us in our shortcomings and our sins and our failures, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That God makes us positionally a son or a daughter of his, justified, just as if I had never sinned. God declares us innocent before him. God does all of this. And then he says, the just shall walk, shall live by faith. So just because we can do something doesn't mean we always should. Just because we don't have a problem with it doesn't mean we ought to be a stumbling block to somebody else. We need to consider one another to encourage one another to good works. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
If God has forgiven you of every wrong thing you've ever done, if your eternal destiny is secure in heaven, if God has poured that kind of grace on you, shouldn't we have the ability to show a little bit of graciousness to one another? Shouldn't we have the ability to be a little bit considerate with one another? Don't be a stumbling block. God has given his grace to you. Use that grace to be a light who don't, to those who don't know Christ and to be an edification, to be building up your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your love and your goodness to us. God, I thank you so much that you, you love us, you care for us. God, I know we get focused on so many things that are not about the kingdom. We get focused on our own success, on our own desires, on the things that we want to do. God, help us to consider one another. Help us to love one another. And God, I pray that as we do, you would allow us to be light and salt in this world. Use us as followers of you to accomplish your will and to build your kingdom here in this earth. I love you, Lord. We thank you for this day today. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.